You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Modern Web. I am so excited today. I have very high hopes for this dynamic conversation we're about to have. Uh, my name's Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet. I'm always excited to chat with y'all. Uh, and I am joined by my co-host today, uh, Dustin Goodman. Hi, Dustin. Hey, Tracy. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to these guys. Yes. And if you want to talk more about Dustin after hearing this podcast, more about Dustin. Well, you can talk about Dustin to Dustin on Twitter at Dustin S. Goodman. It's all good. And uh, we have two amazing guests today. We were actually recently on their podcast, uh, Anthony and Christopher. So, I mean, tell us a little bit about yourselves, your podcast, and let's get going. Of course. Who wants to go ahead and tell us about the, the full stack jam, Anthony? <laughs> yeah, so we are the hosts of the Full Stack Jamstack podcast, and we've been doing it now for, we're about to hit the two-year mark at the end of October, so we've been going for a while. We have close to 100 episodes. Um, 20 of those have not been released yet, but will be released within the next couple months, so that includes your episode. And yeah, the Full Stack Jamstack is about how do you take the Jamstack and stick a database on the end. That's kind of like the simplest way for me to describe it. And some people will do that with GraphQL. Some people will do it with TRPC. Some people will do it with all sorts of different tools. But the idea is that you have a full stack in the sense of a front end and a back end. Those two talk together. It's the same project. It's not two projects that become a project. It is a single project. So that is kind of how I would describe it these days. <laughs> I would say that's a great description. Um, when when I came to um, start the podcast with Anthony, it was you could say it was almost like still like a new dynamic in um, the web. You know, we all had been like botching it ourselves using things like Gatsby in the early days and uh, serverless APIs. Botching it using um, Gatsby, hot tip yeah. number one. All right, <laughs> that was I would say Gatsby too. I've played around with the latest versions of Gatsby, and they're not that bad these days. They're not that bad. <laughs> But um, back in the day, and then obviously Redwood JS came out, Blitz, Bison, and it really started this, um, I would say, new wave of um, JavaScript. And we want to jump in and uh, start communicating uh, our love for it and really tell people what what it was all about and how it was different to the Jamstack and how we could take this more marketing website kind of technology and build full stack applications. And that's where full stack Jamstack came from, FS Jam. <laughs> I love it. And I'm so excited about the conversation today. Um, we were recently, again, on that podcast and y'all's podcast, and we had so much fun chatting. So, uh, hot takes, React is dead, new frameworks are up, down with React. <laughs> this is a terrible way to start the podcast, but. It's probably not too uh, not too wrong for the conversation we're about to have. Although React will never die. I, I truly, truly believe that. <laughs> yeah, the way I would frame it is that React has alternatives now, like good alternatives that offer different benefits based on what you're looking for, whether you're looking on smaller bundle size or 
better SSR support or no need for even a client server split whatsoever because you have this totally resumable app that can be started up on the server or the client and do that kind of independently of any sort of hydration step. So that's where you have things like Quick coming in and you have things like Remix and now Solid Start, which are leaning really heavily into server-side rendering. So I think that it's very heavily based around performance. Like performance is really kind of the main thing, either making it more performant itself or making it more lightweight so that, that it performs more performantly on the actual device. Um, and I think this is great because I think that performance is something that has been talked about by niche performance specialists for a long time. And you have people who get really deep into lighthouse scores and web core web vitals and things like that. And people who get very into benchmarking and those people tend to be really deep in that world. And then the rest of us are just building stuff. And every now and then someone will yell at us that our thing is not performing. Like, oh no, what do we do? And so now we're actually thinking about it from the beginning. How do we make our tools that enable us to build performant websites from the beginning? So we don't necessarily have to think about, we can have the nice DX we've had with all these other tools, but not accidentally ship this huge, giant, ridiculous, unusable app in the process. (laughs) Does everyone have an edge story? I mean, I know like, you know, Fresh, for example, has an edge story. Is everybody talking about the edge? Do we care? Yeah, we've talked about the edge a lot on the podcast. Christopher, Is everyone edging? Thoughts, thoughts on the Is, edge? I, I think it's, uh, you know, to first to give my thoughts on the edge, I think, um, you know, I'd love to give my thoughts on React. And I, I personally think that uh, JavaScript is not anything without an identity crisis constantly um and i I really think you know are you talking about the developers or react i mean uh just javascript (laughs) in general you know now it's one of the most popular languages but if you cast back you know 10 years ago how we coded javascript with jquery and scripts look completely different to how we use it today um and i think going forward you know if we span forward five years in terms of just javascript as a whole you know could it be typed by default could it be type scripted uh, by default? Um, there's a lot of thoughts around that. Um, but I, I think like, when course. it comes, yeah, <laughs> I think when it comes to React, I think it will always be uh, prevalent. It will always um, exist like jQuery. Uh, it will never disappear. But I think as time goes on, um, the split will continue to grow. And as Anthony said about alternatives, um, the stories for them alternatives need to be as good as React. And when them, you know, them stories are as good in terms of, you know, tools, plugins, component libraries, uh, CI, CD, all of the things that React has done well and React has done right, except for performance, then I think we can see a mass shift away from React. But until that point, um, I think we're still stuck with React personally. And it, it's, it's interesting also, you say that. Oh, you go first. I was just going to say it's also really funny that, like, we're talking about like React being the non performant person or framework in the room. <laughs> Whereas, you know, a few years ago, it was like, yeah, React is the most performant, it's the most lightweight. Like, that's why we use React for performance. And now it's like, no, React is the slowest. Well, it's about the different categories of React should be the most performant 
web framework back in the day, but even at the time, it would be more performance not using framework at all. And this is the case like 11D makes, which Chris is a big fan of. And they are saying, you don't need a web framework at all. So if you remove that need, then your apps get more performance. You're just shipping HTML with like inline JavaScript to do whatever kind of functionality you need, which then plays into kind of the, the whole islands architecture mindset. And that feels for a lot sure. like what Astro's doing, uh, for instance, like they're saying, hey, here's here's your bundle. You can have a framework kind of around what you're doing, but at the end of the day, we're just going to ship the HTML. That's all you need. You don't really need the JavaScript. And then uh, we just actually had a great conversation with uh, Mishko yesterday about Quick, and it's the same thing. It's, well, we're not going to ship any JavaScript when we load your website, but then on interaction, maybe we'll load stuff as needed. And now it's now this optimistic behavior rather than... Um, the eager approach so to speak and i completely agree that i think the future isn't quick and solid uh personally um but like i said the user story the one person that i can really say that um has started to knock out of the park is tana Lindsay, uh with his decoupling of react um into other framework choices but i also um know that solid does have a lot of great support out there with its own components it's just you're always so used to put in you know i need something like a you know a input field so i put react hyphen input field and it just shows me everything um but there is a lot of world out there and uh views uh been there for some time <laughs> It's interesting that you said uh, solid and quick kind of are the future because I kind of look at them. I also look at what React has done and you start looking at the syntaxes and they're eerily similar. Um, not not that they're the same by any means or stretch of the imagination, but they by both no rely on By no coincidence whatsoever. By no coincidence, other than that they use a <laughs> lot of JSX under the hood. There's a key difference though between the two, which is that quick took react syntax and said we're going to copy this and then put something different under the hood so that people can write the same way and then it'll be performant whereas solid predates react at all and react changed to coincidentally look like solid solid looked like solid back in 2018 when react did not look like react looks like today so they actually by total coincidence happened to retroactively copy solid is what react did well, I think that's interesting because a uh, place I was going to go with that thought is if we look back further, uh, five, maybe five years, like we had Angular and we have Vue, which have completely different framework uh, opinions on how we write our components, how we structure our code. And then the React and Solid paradigm is, okay, well, your components are just functions that render JSX and you have your props and here's your state manager. And the trend feels like all these new frameworks are heading in this kind of solid React style component writing and away from what was the AngularJS, Angular, and Vue style of component writing. I'm wondering, hot take, do you think that's the direction we're going to head for the rest of our lives? Like that's the direction of JavaScript and components? We're doing JSX forever? Or is there going to be some new kid on the block showing up in, I don't know, six months that that we're really excited about that's going to change everything we're doing. Hmm. My opinion would be that, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, when it comes to JSX, I prefer that syntax uh, over, you know, view 
Um, but at the end of the day, surely we could get to a point where any syntax would work. I think that's astro. Uh, words. I think that's Astro's attempt is like saying, "Hey, we have this one syntax, and oh, do you want to use Vue here? You want to use React here? Go ahead. We have no problem with that." Yeah, there's yeah. the Astro approach, which is allow everyone to bring their own framework and just write it. And then there's the mitosis approach, which is from the quick uh, team, which is compile everything down to a certain standard. So I think JSX is going to be the dominant thing that a lot of people are going to write in, but that there's going to be tooling that will allow people to write components slightly differently. And there's always going to be like DSLs, like Marco's kind of like a DSL in a certain respect. And so is felt really there domain specific languages for writing web apps they have a whole compiler built in i think that's always going to be appealing to a certain type of developer it's funny you say svelte i was just talking to somebody on my team he gave a conference talk about svelte in the enterprise scale and uh one of the things he shared uh he's like so who here's actually doing svelte in the enterprise or is looking to do svelte in the enterprise and he's at a conference that there's a room of 50 people and uh not a single hand went up which was very surprising to me so i'm kind of curious like svelte is also one of those languages that are frameworks not languages that's i guess you could argue it's both uh but it's starting to trend itself towards the top of the, the js charts like you were saying solid's been at the top for a long time um what's kind of like how does svelte fit into this equation? How do these SDLs fit into it? Well, I think you have to look at the context of what Svelte was built for, which is that it was built for the New York Times to do like graphics for news articles. So being used by the New York Times, like that's not enterprise, but that's something that's being used by a huge team of developers and thing that's being viewed by millions and millions and millions of people. So it's a question of like, what is quote unquote the enterprise? What does the enterprise want? It has to do with what the enterprise thinks the enterprise needs. <laughs> and, you know, that doesn't mean Svelte can't be a useful tool for people building like very, very large, complicated websites. It's just not really appealing to an enterprise developer. It's appealing more to more like the solo developer, I think. I think, I think it's also um, the, the, the mass of the public of developers a lot of times when we see, um, you know, speakers, people who write, uh, people who say have a big um, following on Twitter, they tend to be more thought leadership and like ahead of the curve in terms of, you know, programming JavaScript, I would say. So all of them were like, why aren't you writing Svelte? But if you look at, I guess, like 70% of um, uh, web React JavaScript, bleh, if you look at 70% of JavaScript um, application, uh, I forgot what they're called now, job ads, 70% of job ads, you would see that they will ask for React. Um, but I think it's also um, React is in this like uh, evolutionary form. I think React in the next five years is going to look really different. Um, but one of the things that I really wonder of React is how much Facebook still matters. Because I would argue React is important still because Facebook won't let it go. Like it let go, like Jest, for like example. Like it won't let go PHP. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but also um, uh, a lot of Facebook projects became to the JavaScript 
open source community, didn't they? I forgot what the actual group is called. Yeah, the uh, the foundation. TC39. Yes. Uh, JS Foundation or whatever. Yeah, like Jess, Babel. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but React. GraphQL. Well, yeah, React is still in the hands of Facebook now, isn't it? And it's funny because we're talking about all these meta frameworks. <laughs> it's also interesting yeah. to say that because Angular, I mean, would you argue then that Angular's still around because Google's still holding on to it for the same reason? Well, if you go to um, what is it like that uh, website that's like rip uh, Google, like all the products that have killed Angular is on there, but they just fight as they killed Angular 1 because Angular 1 was Google, but Angular 2 isn't. Huh. I don't know. That doesn't make sense, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Chris doesn't know any. Chris has never written a single line of Angular in his life and never. Whoa, whoa, will, whoa. So. <laughs> whoa. I wrote like 10 lines and then I went, this isn't the library for me. I went to <laughs> uh, If you want to do cool Angular stuff, analog is the new hotness. Brandon Roberts built a V-like meta framework with Angular. I'm curious to check that out. That's something that would actually get me to use Angular. Ooh, that's exciting. Gotta love us and Brandon in there. Um, yeah, what about, uh, I mean, I, you know, I think also, you know, there's, do, do you feel like this like rise of new frameworks is related to performance or you know just the stuff we hear on twitter or is it also because uh you know some people are just getting sick of react they're like man react is overcomplicated things now and why is it so difficult like the new modern react now is obviously something very different than it was a few years ago chris could write react for the rest of his life and he would be perfectly satisfied <laughs> i think i think it's also like we're a very specific type of uh, developer uh, that wants to know what's coming next, wants to see what's coming next. Um, you know, if you polled, uh, say, a staff force at uh, Facebook, would they really know uh, why they should pick, you know, Svelte or Vue over React? They probably don't, and they probably don't care. Um, and I think because we are specifically in the Jamstack, where so much opportunity has came up so fast, for specific use cases that we have all of these questions. But the people that, you know, are building uh, B2B enterprise software, you could say, um, I think they'll be on React for the next 25 years and it'll be the new COBOL. Uh, but for everybody else, I think, you know, especially in the Jamstack, we're just so in tune with figuring out the best path as fast as possible. When other people, yeah, that they, they go with uh, React. For example, this is this is a good question. How many projects do you have that still uses classes instead of uh function uh headless functions? Well, yeah, Anthony, because you 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 <laughs> did old write bagel. React. <laughs> you know, you didn't write React until hooks came out. But I exactly. bet you if you went to them enterprises, there would be a lot of classes there. Well, yeah, and I have so many so many thoughts on on react just the react thing because for me in a lot of ways i built my career on react like i learned react in my boot camp and my boot camp was 80 percent react curriculum like you learned a little bit of vanilla css and javascript you learned react for three months then you learned a little bit of node and postgres at the end so learning it gave me the ability to 
go to a job and say, hey, I know how to write React. Like, you can give me literally a React interview and I can write you a table and have it sort of thing. And it's like, it's hard to do and it is complicated and it's ridiculous and there's libraries for this, but it's the skill that the companies wanted and that allowed me to get my foot in the door. So this is why I will still to this day tell anyone getting into web dev, if you want to learn web dev, learn some JavaScript, but as soon as you can, just start learning React and get good at React, and that will open doors for you almost no matter what. Does that mean React is the best technical tool out there for every job or even any job? Maybe not. Maybe there is literally a better option for every single use case you can possibly think of at this point, but that means you got to learn that tool. That means you got to spend some time to understand it, and that itself could add enough time that it becomes an opportunity lost to have built the thing with React what you already knew in the first place. So I think it's great there's other options. I think people should still learn React. I think React has been the thing that has defined what web development means for the last decade almost, and probably will for the next 10 years. It's either going to be React or things reacting to React. So yeah, it's there's like no simple answers the... like why there's React or why there's React competitors. It's just like this is just the sum total of the entire history of the web. You need to understand to understand the context of like what's happening here. All the uh, all the Ember and Angular people yelling. Oh, oh, they, they lost. They like <laughs> <quite> definitively <laughs> lost. <laughs> I mean, I'm standing over here. I'm turning over a little bit in my premature grave i actually don't agree with that at all <laughs> but hot takes. It's, it's, my, my 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 kind of hot take is i think nobody should learn react when they're first starting oh. to learn development oh, I, no. I i don't think anybody should learn a framework oh, i'm actually no. anti-framework i'm super anti-framework so I what happens really when they like try and get a job and no company will hire them because they don't know a framework no, I agree with that. I think there, at some point, a framework needs to be learned, but I don't uh, think you start with a framework. With the fundamentals. I, I'm, I'm use a framework. Learn I, JavaScript. You should learn JavaScript. I'm not saying you shouldn't learn JavaScript. I'm saying this is the reality of the job market, and you are telling people who are trying to get jobs bad advice if they want to get a job. That's irresponsible. I think I think this is really uh, scoped incredibly uh to the adult audience as in like i'm a banker and i want to go get a software development career you you would say instantly you know react that's what anthony's saying but i actually had or this if opportunity. they were a banker would you say angular because banks use angular <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> uh, and if they're a banker they probably won't want to become a software uh developer because <laughs> uh, they've already got a career <laughs> but what I mean is um, I had this opportunity to uh, influence somebody's first language uh, in programming uh, at the weekend. So quite recently, uh, my my partner's uh, little brother, he's uh, 12 and wants to learn to program. What do you teach him? Where do you start? He's a scratch, web... obviously. Well, actually, something closest, right? <laughs> I actually was like, hmm. This is because it's a good question. It's like, what what do you show them? You know? And I was like, Apple Swift Playground. Yep. I taught him Swift. <laughs> Thank me later. Uh, I like that. <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm sitting here like, do I actually like that? Yeah, I like that. I would have said Python. Like I always I always lean towards Python because it teaches good fundamentals. And that's always been my my, my big preach. I'm gonna get on my my throne here for a second and preach. Uh, uh, 
but I've always been like, you should learn your fundamentals because you can take your fundamentals to front-end development. You can also take your fundamentals to back-end development, iOS, Android. You can, you can go anywhere with fundamentals and then just learn the tooling associated to it. But if you don't have your fundamentals, you're, you're pigeonholing yourself long-term. Now, you could always learn something back down to the fundamentals and then back go back up. But I always felt like that was a detrimental way. Now, I also mm. say this, I came from an environment where I learned my fundamentals first. That's how yeah. I learned. That's how I am where I am. I learned my fundamentals. And then two weeks later, I was like, give me a framework. Got into a framework. I was like, the world is my oyster. And that's really when it started clicking for me. Because, you know, you can't do much without a framework. But it's funny you say that, Dustin, this whole, like, learn the fundamentals thing. Because I feel like, you know, f- six years ago, maybe, you know, uh, you know, when when it was like kind of like Ember, Angular, and React, you know, Vue wasn't on you know, on the scene yet, people were having these arguments, um, probably still have them now, um, about, you know, you shouldn't use a CLI, you shouldn't use a framework, you should like, you know, do it yourself, because, you know, all these tools are doing the work for you. And, you know, you're not learning what's actually happening. So how are you going to debug? But then you talk to all these new frameworks and what are they doing now, you know, during our like state of the web events, it's like, yeah, we're basically meta frameworks. We're creating all these frameworks on top of it. So you don't have to deal with all that stuff. So you can just get productive and all these developers now who I feel like, you know, five, seven years ago, were saying like, learn the fundamentals learn the fundamentals are like, man, I just want to get productive. Thank you for giving me everything out of the box. It makes it easy to start. And I am up and going. So, yeah, and and I want to be clear here. I'm not saying don't learn the fundamentals. Like I've, I've said before on FSGM, that the ultimate combination would be someone who spends four years getting a whole CS degree, learns literally all the fundamentals, learns a bunch of programming languages, like functional programming languages, and all sorts of stuff, and then they do like a boot camp and get like a year of concentrated like build websites, like build web applications, kind of thing. That to me is the ultimate curriculum. Problem is. It's like, how many years of the fundamentals do you tell people they need to learn? Because if someone says, I need a job today, and it's like, okay, we'll spend the next four years learning the fundamentals and spend 40 grand on this college, and you, they have zero dollars, or maybe they're in debt, and they're saying like, what? <laughs> Look, totally different, completely went, different perspective. I went to university, um, as you would say, college, and I did it for three years, and it was the most boringest three years of programming of my life. Yeah, Chris I never wanted to program ever totally again. Wasted it. <laughs> I I actually agree like, with Chris. I I did a three year program as well, and I could say I could identify very specifically what over the course of those six semesters I would take, boil it down to a six month intensive, and say this is what you should do. Like there's there's six months of valuable college degree CS material they teach these days. But you can't yeah. learn that though in an actual context. That's not the way like learning works. This is like me having an education I... degree. It's very useful that you can't just shove all of the knowledge into someone's brain matrix style. You can't just download stuff into people's brains. It takes time and reps. Although it does sound it... nice. But you can also be successful without a CS degree you know, people tell me with CS degrees, like my husband has a CS degree and he's like, yeah, I can tell the difference between somebody who like has a CS degree and doesn't when you talk to them, but like, does it actually matter? Like, I don't know what I don't know and I'm still doing fine. It's okay. You know, but. (laughs) Look, 
you know, there's one thing I know about university and one thing I know about uh, React uh, and that O notation should probably come in sooner or later when we talk about React's performance. Dustin clapping over here. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I think, I mean, if you could take anything out of a four-year, three-year degree, like teach big O as you're teaching React and then we're good. Like I'll, I'll, I'll concede. So anybody who doesn't have a CS degree and doesn't know what this big O thing is, now you know exactly what you need to do and you are all set. Basically, it's big O from a couple yeah. of YouTube. That's videos. all you need to do. You don't need a CS degree to learn big O. I don't o. even know what the big O is, but can, can you operate? Uh, can you do big big O in JavaScript? That's the true question. <laughs> can, we, can we talk about TypeScript for a second here? This yes. is actually I have a TypeScript yes. topic. This is the first time ever Chris has always been the TypeScript advocate for the entirety of FS Jam. But I finally have a TypeScript topic. I learned a TypeScript framework that I think finally fixed TypeScript, at least for me. So okay. create, create T3 app. So this is from a community of people built up around Theo, who is a streamer and very, like, you want hot takes? <laughs> He's the dude to talk to. But the, the T3 stack is uh, Next.js, Tailwind, TRPC, and Prisma. So it's very similar to something you would get almost like Redwood, but without the GraphQL API, which makes it more similar to blitz but the important key point here is trpc which creates a type safe protocol between your front end and back end which allows you to just write pure functions that call into your back end and get you end-to-end -end type safety so it gets you the benefits of like a graphql api with end-to-end -end type safety a graphql project specifically a typescript which you can do with redwood it gives you that but without needing to create the whole GraphQL API, so it's using TRPC. So it's a really interesting project, and I've avoided TypeScript up to this point because of just like the whole build complexity around it, and just like like you're saying, the fundamentals. Like TypeScript gets you really far away from the fundamentals. You learn this whole new language built on top of the language. But I finally get it. <laughs> I finally like see the benefits and had a template or a project or a framework that like handed the benefits to me in such a nice immediate way that I was like, all right, cool. I get this. Yeah. I can see why people would want to do this. I'm probably going to use this into the future now. This is just like such a fun conversation because I, for me, I'm like, what? Not use TypeScript. I don't know how to function. Like you put me out of TypeScript and I literally can't do anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm being a little exaggerating here, right? But like, oh my God, TypeScript is like, that's what Chris, that's how Chris life, is too. You know? Yeah. Look, I, if anything, I, love I, I would say if anything, you know, uh, at least put some types any in there. Like that, that's like as low down as I'll get now. Like <laughs> JavaScript, I, I love the language, but to me, TypeScript just, it just auto completes far much better than TypeScript, uh, JavaScript. And I think the biggest problem is in complexity as as applications grow in complexity and props and pipes and drilling get so much more prevalent typescript um really comes in handy but also typescript for react is still goddamn terrible someone should fix uh, that type this is where support. create t3 app comes you. in this no, is no, no, literally no. what i was about to say first. it won't like... fix some things about react and typescript it, it fixes like the thing that that trpc which is the same as graphql they're all they're both rpc so they both solve the problem of you can get types and like 
that's great for your API to client interactions. But what Chris is saying 100% agree is the second you write a use effect or a use ref or anything that's non-standard context, context, trying to just type stop context. using TypeScript immediately. I'm with Chris. Like well, that's where React because this is where React Query comes in though because you're not writing use effects if you use React Query. No, no, right. no. You still use re- use effects even if you use React. But Query. you're not literally writing them yourself. So you're have they built types on top of it. Well, I think what we're both saying though is we're not talking about just the data fetch itself. We're talking about actually yeah. when you have an effect on the page or something where you need to be listening or reactive. For example, props, props, children. Uh, we had this with uh, Joshua. Uh, how do you type children? Uh, and also what about func dot uh, colon FC? And what is, like, if someone could answer me the million dollar question, like the correct way to write a function, is it function name bracket uh, open open bracket? Or is it const name equals bracket equals arrow? They don't make a difference, but it should because... This is one of these things where it's like JavaScript allows you to do anything. So some people code it one way, some people code the other. It's like tabs and spaces in React. I, except I don't think the tabs and spaces is an argument anymore. I saw the accessibility argument and I'm convinced. And I think anybody who's read that and isn't convinced at this point is wrong. I'm saying it. You're wrong if you think you shouldn't no, be I've, using tabs. I've talked, to, I've talked to Ben Myers about this. He's like my accessibility go-to person. He says, yes, you're correct. The accessibility argument holds, but it's not like a do-or-die kind of issue for accessibility people. It's like, it's a, it's a nice to have, not, not a need to have. So that's, yeah, I, I agree with you, but it's not like, I don't, I think people should like super duper stand on that soapbox. But to go back to what Chris was saying, the framework does solve those, the, all those issues you just named are yes, the things that those frameworks solve because it gives you conventions. It tells you, hey, we're going to type these things this way and then you're going to get the end-to-end type safety or we're just going to debug that. We're going to make it work. And so as long as we all agree on conventions, you're a Redwood guy, you get this, <laughs> then this stuff will work at the end of the day. I'm, I'm pretty so- sure it works in terms of the data, but not in terms of prop typing because component component types are like this you'll have to use it to find out i guess yeah just make a component with props and type the props there's like 20 ways to do it i have to say though that i just feel like like coming from angular and ember um and react being my third love not my first or second (laughs) who's gonna be your fourth I'm thinking maybe, well, Vue. Vue is my fourth love. <laughs> um, but, you know, just hearing like, uh, you know, convention over configuration and just kind of like all these, all these things that I feel like it's like, uh, you know, we, you know, React when you, when you get down to it, right? Like from the very beginning, the reason why people, you know, loved it so you know or the the conversations that were had a few years ago was because you can just do anything you know you it doesn't have opinions there's no guidelines just write javascript it's totally fine and then now you're just rolling into this like you know we want the conventions we need this to scale we want everything done for us we need a meta framework built on top of this etc cetera, etc cetera. and i swear every time i hear this i want to go back and like pull up all the like angular and ember like 
you know, and yeah, react like arguments that happened. Yeah. Cause you know, yeah. like the, the argument is so different now and you know, the react community is moving towards this whole, like, please give me stuff. Please give me guardrails. Please tell me what to do. This is why I'm super so glad you that want you rails. Have- <laughs> this is why I'm super glad that people have podcasts. Cause like I'm a fairly new developer, but I've listened to podcasts going back like 10 years. And so I'm, I'm aware of all this historical context. And I feel like me and Chris, we're still actually fairly counterculture here in that, we are advocating for some of the most opinionated solutions that exist in terms of like Redwood is the most opinionated way you can make a React app. And most people have not gone that far. Like most people Hot really take. aren't using Redwood right now. Most people are using <laughs> Next.js and Next.js is mm-hmm. less opinionated than Redwood. It's more opinionated than React, but it sits in the middle. And so we have not fully swung back yet to Rails and I don't think we ever will. I'm yeah, sad and- by that. I want us to. I, I'm actually on team. Let's move all the way back. We'll start using the Redwood thing, then. The thing is, it, it, JavaScript is a bit like a like a metronome. It, it constantly goes back and forth. And we go from, we want all the abstraction to no abstraction to all the abstraction. And it goes, and literally the levels go from create a React app and do everything yourself. Um, and you could even go even lower now. Uh, to all the way down to like Vite and React at its lowest level, all the way up to something like Redwood and create a T3 app. And I think there's place and reason and need to have both. And I think it really comes down to picking the right framework and choice for the right situation. And a lot of developers will just pick Next.js myself included that's well you're just loving it oh oh, i'm gonna gonna throw into this what about remix so now you got something that sits almost between next and redwood anthony somebody needs to just like rank them i would put remix next to next in terms of what they do if you take a remix starter that has a built-in uh, ORM and deployment target, then you're getting close to the opinionation of Redwood. But that's only if you're using your, one of the Remix stacks templates. Remix by itself is essentially equivalent to Next, but with different conventions, in my opinion. I, I think that's a fair opinion, which I think actually maybe brings up an interesting thing that you're starting to touch on a little bit earlier, too, is like this opinion, not only an opinion on how code should be structured but an opinion for usage. So Astro, um, they have it in their documentation and I love that they actually explicitly call this out. Um, If you use Astro for anything beyond a content site, like you're trying to do dynamic dashboards or anything that's really, they're like, don't use us. We're not the right tool for you. You're gonna lose all the benefits of what we gave you. Well, then Um, why are they building an SSR though? Like, obviously they're still playing for that. They wanna reach there. They're saying that because they don't wanna have to deliver the perfect SSR experience, but they're offering SSR. Well, I think they're offering SSR in the sense of like, hey, you can do this dynamic thing, it's possible. And in a lot of cases with these static sites, there's amount of data that needs to come from a CMS that is somewhat dynamic. Or even if you want to build for the edge, you're going to need something that's a little more dynamic. And so they're like optimizing for, for those aspects and not so much for the, oh, well, here's a database and an ORM and like do all the things and create all these rich content pages. It's more like get your static content, pipe it in, display. And I think they're, I think that's what they're going for. That's been my use they, case. They are. Yeah. 
but I think part of what the FS Jam dream is that you could just slap Prisma on that baby and like make it work. So I think it's it's possible, even if they're not trying to support it. But like that's kind of the case me and Chris have been making for these last two years that you can do it. Some frameworks make it easy, some frameworks don't. It's just a question of what are you trying to do and like think about your use case and like pick the right tool for the right job. Well, and I think that's, that's where I was headed with the question is like, should there be the argument that we go f- like, like Astro saying, like, you should use us for this use case. Should other frameworks get opinionated in that direction? Yes. Every My... framework should specifically say what f- actually it should be used for and what it shouldn't be used for. And people who say it should be used for everything are lying to you. They're terrible And then people. everybody will use it for everything else, like building non-static sites on all the static site generators. <laughs> I think, I think, um, you know, Anthony is saying my opinion that I've had and I've drilled into him through the podcast many times because I have a much, uh, you know, framework uh, user that has been burned many times. And I think something that's really important uh, to, to, I would say, uh, wrap up on in terms of frameworks is that when we think about speed, it is always going to change a website that's compiled down uh, to pure HTML will always be faster than, uh, you know, content that needs to be pulled from a CMS. There's no two ways about it. One has more uh, calls in it. I think each category really needs to be defined much better. And we're seeing cross-pollination a lot right now. You know, Gatsby is coming back from the dead with Gatsby 5. Um really trying to take on Next.js. But Next.js is saying, we can make the whole web faster. I would argue you shouldn't really build in uh, Next.js for a marketing website, but everyone is, even myself included, because every other option just doesn't have that uh, support um, that I feel Next.js has. When the, the argument is, I need to pull data from a CMS, say every five minutes, you know, because it could change. Next.js does that best, but I think Next.js is way too overcomplicated for everything else but that one feature. That one feature forces, I think, a lot of people to use Next.js over everything else. I think that the times are changing, and like I said at the beginning, um, JavaScript has this, uh, you know, um, metamorphism and identity crisis every few years, but I think as a language, we're getting increasingly faster at working out the best use case. And I think we're all still sitting here going, we're not there yet. You know, this ain't PHP that moves very slow. It's a a very fast language. And personally, I like the speed, even though everything breaks. Yeah. And I think it's funny that you just said you drilled into me because from my perspective it was the opposite i spent like a year trying to convince you to use literally anything that wasn't react and then you eventually built built some stuff with like svelte and view but yeah i think it's totally like every different tool is going to be suited for some things can be used for some things and absolutely should not be used for some things and understanding that kind of differentiation between each of them is really important and I try to hit on that anytime I advocate for any of these frameworks. And that's something that we try to ask our guests anytime we have on FS Jam. So I think it's like, you know, we talked about this on our widget episode, responsible advocacy. I think that being a responsible advocate and advocating for something in a responsible way 
is like really important and it allows us to not totally get shilled all these things but like get a better understanding of them and hopefully we can all come to an understanding of what our tools are and what they're for yeah um i have one final question if you could pick <laughs> if you it's it's a one word answer if you could think this framework is going to be it in five years like next JS is today which framework is it i will go with quick Ooh. quick is where i want it to be in five years oh that's a tough one i mean that is that is like such a that makes me feel good about quick <laughs> i think quick has the technological potential i don't know if he'll be able to make the case to people that's actually different enough i think solid has more momentum than quick even though they're more so technologically riding the previous wave so i think solid start and quick city are going to be the two to look at. And I'll be very curious to see how those two face off. I'm right there with Anthony, except I think the reality is Next is still going to be winning in five years. Uh, I think they have all of our cell backing it at this point, and they're going to keep making the incremental improvements they need, hearing feedback. Like they've been very good about hearing feedback from the community. So I'm actually going to put my marbles in that court, but I don't want it to be. I'm going to have to agree with Dustin, but I feel like the conversation hopefully will be, you know, next solid and quick. Also very sad that remix was not mentioned here. Having high hopes for that, but yeah, I mean, y'all have definitely determined what I'm going to focus on. I've been talking to Dustin about like, why can't we use fresh? Let's use fresh. Let's do all the fresh things. Fresh is cool too. We didn't have time to talk about Dino and like, yeah. you know, know, we. I think both me and Chris have tried out Remix as well. I have um, reservations about the Remix team, but I think Remix is also a cool piece of tech. Oh, so many hot takes. We definitely have to have y'all back on this podcast. It was so much fun chatting. Um, again, these guys are always hanging out on FS Jam. You can follow them on Twitter at FS Jam org uh and uh you know again just amazing conversations thank you so much for being here i think that my conclusion and my takeaway from today is what we started off the podcast with which is javascript is constantly in identity crisis and will continue to be for the next foreseeable future <laughs> so um Make sure to tune in to our next podcast and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you so much for your time. And yeah, thank you to say one more thing. It's not an identity crisis if you never look at Twitter. Come on, come on, <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. For all of your friends and you.